Welcome to the Candid Comms Podcast. If you're looking for practical and inspirational ideas to help you thrive in internal communication, you're in the right place. I'm your host, international communication consultant, trainer and mentor, Rachel Miller. Through this podcast, I'll share my experience with you so you can increase your skills, knowledge and confidence on all things internal communication related. Hello and welcome to this week's show. On today's episode, I have a very special guest and I'm really excited to share our conversation with you. I'm going to hand you over to Amrit to introduce herself. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm Amrit Nidja, Inclusion and Belonging Manager, and I'm currently at Tarmac, which is a building products and construction company. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And I'm so pleased that you're joining us today, Amrit, because you and I have known each other for a number of years. We seem to be in the same circles, particularly we always bump into each other at conferences, uh, normally in the cup of tea queue. Yeah, and, and I'm fangirling <laughs> over you. Yep. I'm so excited that you're joining us today because I wanted to invite you to the show because your specialism has been internal communication however you've now moved into another area and it's such a hot topic at the moment and rightly so so I'm curious to know whether you can tell us about your experience in internal communication and what attracted you into a move into diversity and inclusion Yes. So I've, I've been in internal communications for over 15 years now, and I've, I've always worked in-house. It sounds a bit cheesy. I genuinely enjoy kind of working with people, understanding their priorities, and just helping them enable and achieve those through internal comms. And on my journey towards going into inclusion and diversity, one of the things we were, you know, as a company and construction company, our number one priority is safety. Mm-hmm. Safety is something we obviously work in very potentially dangerous environments. And we empower people to stop work when they feel that their environment is unsafe. But actually, if you don't work in an inclusive environment where you feel confident enough to put your hand up for non-safety things, are you really going to put your hand up for safety or innovation or quality issues? So I think things like that really got me thinking about the importance of an inclusive culture. And there was another kind of turning point for me in my role in internal comms. I business partnered HR. And I was tasked to create a campaign to help us on our kind of inclusion journey. I engaged in some focus groups and with the leadership teams to really understand what they felt a truly inclusive culture felt and looked like. And the campaign I came up with was something called Proud to Be Me. Mm-hmm. And this was a platform which gave people an opportunity to share things that they maybe hadn't shared before, things that they are proud of. And I remember when I was actually putting together an example to kind of sell it into the HR director, I used myself as an example and I was thinking about things that had made me proud. And it kind of got me thinking about actually the things that had made me proud, I'd actually hidden. That's interesting. What are you hidden? Always being surrounded by white middle-aged men. I mm-hmm. shied away from talking about my diversity. I'm a first-generation British-born Indian immigrant. And also as a mum, I never displayed photos of my daughters. I wanted to be seen as a professional communicator before a mother. And then it kind of hit me all this time. I'd been kind of helping people find their voice and giving them their platforms. I hadn't truly found mine. 
that gave me goosebumps when you when you said that. <laughs> Gosh, that's that's quite a realization, isn't it? That's Ooh. that's a that's a big thing. That's a big thing to to realize. And good on you for being honest, actually, and and thinking about how can you how can you be proud. I love that as a, as a tagline, as a as a mindset about encouraging people to be proud of 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 who they are in the fullest sense everything that makes you uniquely you definitely so how how did that go with with your did you sell it in but what was that I'm curious what their response was How, how did you find that it really did kind of resonate with people and it kind of it actually took on a life of its own so what I'd really started as a bit of a comms campaign it went internally viral say um people started using it in their team days they reintroduce themselves as teams. People finding out things about colleagues, which they ha- didn't know before because they hadn't had an opportunity to share it. So this, you know, visually, if you think about it, it was just a slide where we had a few blank spaces where people could fill in and at the bottom it says me. So you're proud to be this, this and this and proud to be me. And people inco- accompanied it with a few kind of personal photos where they wanted to. Some people divulge more personal things. Some people just talked about career. And that is completely up to you. But it just gave people an opportunity to share things. But also what we started doing is leaders started introducing their slots and uh, events with it by doing their own Proud to Be Me's. So in internal events, in our conferences, each speaker would do a Proud to Be Me. It was it was it became a thing. I love that. I, that. I can see that really resonating with people. I can imagine that's something that other internal communicators particularly you can just see you can see the power of it can't you just an idea which and I mean this in the nicest possible way is <laughs> kind of simplistic in it in yes. its beauty really about it's something where we work so hard to make everyone feel they have a voice and we want to listen to them and there's something there where I love the fact you said they could choose what to do with it and choose how much to disclose I, I like that because you're giving people flexibility within boundaries there to say this is what we encourage you to do what did it feel like internally when leaders were doing that what was the reaction like from your employees people could relate to them and that's what we want people to do with leaders and make mm-hmm. them more relatable make them more it feel more authentic and they're just like me before they kind of start with a hard-hitting you know we need to achieve this or da, 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 all of that it just deepened who they were and they became people they became people that approachable people would go and speak to them oh actually I've got a daughter who went through the same thing because leaders, they would talk about, some of them would even talk about fertility issues and they had been sick or the children had been sick. And it would be these conversation openers that people could go and speak to them about. And it was fantastic. They actually, you know, it was taken into my parent company as well. And obviously that was a really proud moment for myself. But it was this whole thing about trying to fit in. And, you know, we're trying to promote an inclusive culture where people feel like they belong. And this was helping it. I have to say, with the campaign, and I think that one of the reasons it did so well, the integrity of the campaign was built with, we had an IND survey that went alongside it. We had, you know, we were doing action planning. There was other activity happening. This wasn't just on its own. So you've got to make sure the other things are happening as well. Mm. I love the, the use of the word integrity there. I think for me, I always think of integrity as having no gap between what you say and what you do. And I think that's exactly what you're describing there. It's making sure that you're walking the walk and talking the talk, that there's no point just having these grand statements or aspirations if in reality we're not backing it up with support for our employees. Or you talked earlier about it's the kind of psychological safety around how able do I feel to be able to 
raise an issue or talk about quality or talk about safety or whatever it might be how how safe do I feel from a psychological perspective to actually air my concerns you should feel so proud of that that's amazing what a (laughs) a great story I love that that's so nice so thinking about your DNI work, I think it's important to just bust a bit of, bit of jargon, if, if we may. I think <laughs> I saw a really lovely quote that I know that you, you use in, in your work, and I'm going to ask you to share it to help us understand, because we like to jargon bust here on the Candidate yes. Podcast, Love it. what is the difference between diversity and, and inclusion, all these phrases that rightly are being used a lot more in organisations. So what do we need to know, Amrit? So diversity is being asked to the party. Mm -hmm. Inclusion is being asked to dance. And belonging is dancing to your own tune. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that. That whole belonging thing, really feel like you're in your own space. You can be your authentic self. Brilliant. I'm certainly seeing lots more conversations online and lots more professional communicators online having conversations about diversity and inclusion so I'm curious to know from from your perspective how important is it so I think first and foremost it's the right thing to do Mm -hmm. I think you know before any kind of business case or anything like that for me personally and majority of people this is just the right thing to do is treat people fairly Mm -hmm. number one secondly what diversity brings is a diversity of thought. So a lot of times people think they see the whole world, but they only see their own little version of the world. And what diversity introduces is different perspectives, different ideas, and the way our brains solve things are all different. And these are related to our cultures or experiences. You know, you look in the latest McKinsey reports, the most diverse companies are now likely to outperform the less diverse peers on profitability there's now pound signs attached to it and also our fight for talent if we're just recruiting people like us we all just have the same ideas things like unconscious bias you are drawn to people who are like you you know you hire many versions of yourself but actually you both think about those recruitment decisions are they bias led or intelligence led and you know that's a whole different conversation but it's really worth looking into but also our customers are now demanding this of us and You'll probably see this more in the public sector contracts, firstly, but it's kind of widening out. But they want to know what you're doing on diversity. What does your company landscape look like as a company? We're reporting quarterly on what we're doing internally and externally. How are we supporting the communities around us as well? Our customers are wanting a talent, that diversity of thought, giving you that competitive edge. But first and foremost, I'll always say it's the right thing to do. I think diversity of thought is is such a such an important conversation to have because I think typically if people think diversity they think we're talking about our backgrounds they think we're talking about ethnicity and actually diversity is so much broader than what we see and and love the way that you you were describing it there and I think there's not a clarity or consistency in terms of language so when I have job adverts on on my all things I see website and I'm noticing more and more people are asking for an element of diversity and inclusion within comms roles. And I think that's brilliant. But when I try and look for more detail, and I'm curious always to see what does that actually mean? What what would people be working on? There isn't a standardised approach at all. And if there is, it's more about a kind of a tactical, practical, making sure that we have representative groups inside our organizations in terms of you know age and experience and um, nowadays I think there is an expectation and understanding for internal communicators to be aware of 
everything that's going on in this space and to be able for us to advise well on it. So I'm curious to know from your perspective, which of the skills that you've developed in internal communication have been particularly helpful for you in this new role that you're doing? I would say it's kind of strategy and planning. So you look at the idea agenda, you open a Pandora's box of what you could do. I think it's really important to look at what are your focus areas and this may be you know kind of looking at your landscapes and where are the biggest areas you need to focus on obviously there's stuff you can do kind of alongside it but that kind of strategy planning understanding what is happening in the business and what the customers maybe are looking for as well what are your ambitions you know you're able to do that and that's kind of one of the skills I've been able to take across influencing and advising for sure you're having those conversations maybe with leadership and why you need to do things maybe that stakeholder management in terms of if you you're speaking to all different types of departments if you wanted to move things for example you need to speak to procurement about the welfare audits and you know just providing decent toilets and make sure you have all the facilities it can sometimes be that can't it can't can sometimes be as tangible as again it's back to that integrity gap right between what we say and what we do if we're saying that we're looking after our people but actually we haven't got good toilets then how they feel and how they how they feel about how well supported they feel and how looked after they feel will be impacted yeah we we do spend a lot of our time talking about toilets toilets <laughs> <laughs> and coffee and norm, normally the, the hot topics aren't they in organizations how good how good are the toilets and how good are the coffee <laughs> oh yeah definitely and it's all part of welfare isn't it it's part of looking after our people and looking out for our people definitely and it's even that influencing you know part of my role is training so going out there speaking to management or leadership doing some of the unconscious bias training and just that influencing, that coaching, and kind of, you know, getting them to the aha moments, like, oh, you, you see that kind of, you know, that light going, and I'll be like, oh, yes. And, you know, kind of moving people along their journey as well. And just kind of being able to have those conversations and creating content on all of that. I think that is so, so important. What's people's reactions like when you, I'm curious to know what you say <laughs> to them. Is it, we, we think you need unconscious bias training or is it part of a wider conversation in terms of this is what good looks like for our line managers and this is the way that we're trying to equip you to have better quality conversations or I'm curious I, I don't know what that is what, what what's that problem that you're solving I think like you said it's a hot topic but this is the journey we've been on for a little while now so people are open to trainings coming you know we started from top down so it's kind of filtering down so and we are also communicating a lot. So people know it's on the agenda, it's on the radar, so it's coming to them. Within those sessions, some of it, you know, you see people when they're kind of a little bit, oh, goodness, someone's going to call me racist or sexist or something. And, you know, our big focus is on conscious bias. And it's just like we're not in here to kind of point fingers. We're here to help and raise awareness and teach you about unconscious bias, and which we all are. You know, there's things that being programmed programmed in us and we have these biases for example we talk a lot about affinity bias just about you're attracted to people like you so when we talk about these different types of biases and just kind of explain why we do the things we do they're they're the aha moments and I've had them myself you know if you named um, your three closest friends how many of them are different gender to you how many are different race to you how many you know different religion to you you know, I've got three Indian girls here. <laughs> like, so it's just that you are drawn <laughs> to people like you. It's, it's just interesting and understanding your own kind of mindset 
as well. So it's those aha moments are, which I find really, really interesting. I can see how transferable those skills are from internal comms. And when you were talking earlier about the McKinsey study and talking about how effective organisations are when they are focused on diversity and inclusion, that's the language of the board, right? That's that's the this isn't just a nice to have. It's an important commercial focus that actually is delivering results where it matters, which is for our employees and for their their sense of belonging and their welfare, but but also the bottom line, right? For profitability yeah. as well. So I think to your point earlier, it's, it's not an, it's not an option to not do it, is it? It's, it's important that we focus and focus properly. And I love the fact that you're training from the top down as well. So you're role modeling and setting examples and not finger pointing. I, I was no. curious to know how that felt for employees if they felt that there was unconscious bias training coming their way, <laughs> whether it was, <laughs> you know, because of an incident or because of a bad reason, perhaps. But it's good to know that it's consistent in the, in your organisation. I think we always try and come from teachable moments. Sometimes it's just raising awareness. And we've had sites where, you know, we speak about sanitary bids and stuff. And if people haven't had women on the site before it will just be like oh I didn't realize but of course we need sanit- sanitary provision so you always go thinking the best of people and that's you know me generally in life <laughs> um, yeah and it's just helping them raise awareness and if you don't know you don't know but we you know we're helping and making sure that they have the awareness they have the contacts of the suppliers they're able to make things right so where they weren't aware before now they are aware and we'll keep kind of beating that drum and making sure things like that they're well. That's a great example. It's equipping them, isn't it, with the understanding and and almost the knowledge, isn't it, up, up front in terms of this is what you need to know and here's how we'll support you to be more mindful and to think of all all of our colleagues. I love that. So, in thinking about organisations, what do you think they need to put in place to improve their diversity and inclusion? When things happen, you know, in society, and there's a lot going on at the moment, mm-hmm. there's you know, there's a temptation to be quite reactive. And, you know, some companies are quite action biased. Like, we need to do something now. And they'll just put out a statement. And I think, you know, it can be good to just acknowledge something has happened. But it, it is really important to really understand what is happening in your organisation and spend some time really listening. So whether this be through surveys, focus groups, and just some kind of feedback and understand what is going on in your organisation. What are the perceived barriers? What are these shadow cultures? What is happening here? And if you're able to, you know, data, I know data is always a bit of a sticking point for a lot of companies, but what is your data telling you? Who is joining your organisation? Who is leaving? Who is getting promoted? For example, are women after maternity leave, are they coming back to work? Mm. You know, what is your data telling you? Really understanding what is going on. And I think then just really assess that and put together some really meaningful actions and, you know, whether it's updating your people policies, looking at your line manager training, looking at, you know, your development opportunities and, you know, whether they need to be widened and looking at how you um, recruit and resource, all of that. And I think it is a process, but you really need to look at what is happening within your organisation first. And then just kind of that continuous improvement and development love that it's, it's really important isn't it you the data is probably there the insights probably there we just need to collect it and maybe look at it properly and then turn it as you say into a meaningful action it's 
crafting a meaningful story from the data and then doing something about it. It's not enough just to say, oh, no one's returning from maternity leave. I know. And what are we going to do? That's so important. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to be asking Amrit to share her top tips for internal communicators. See you in a moment. Comms friends, I have a special offer for you. Because you are a listener of the Candid Comms podcast, you can save 10% off my range of online masterclasses. If you're just starting out, then How to Be an Internal Communicator is the course for you. If you're about to start a new internal comms role, then my How to Create a 90-Day Plan will support you in your first three months. Perhaps you're thinking about becoming a comms consultant. If so, my How to Be a Comms Consultant Exploration Masterclass is the one you need. All of the courses can be found at allthingsic.thinkific.com and simply use the code CANDIDCOMS at the checkout to save 10%. And I hope to see you inside one of those masterclasses very soon. Welcome back. In the final part of today's show, Amrit and I are going to be discussing the role of internal communicators when it comes to diversity and inclusion. And I will be picking her brain to help you discover what you can do and the practical steps that you can take. So Amrit, you've shared so much value for us today. I'm I'm so grateful. Thank you. I feel like people are going to have full notepads. And I know that people listen to this show where they're out and about walking dogs in the bath, having a run in Asda. I keep being tagged and being told where people are listening. And I feel like this is a show they're going to want to come back to and make notes on, and particularly for this last section. I'm curious to know from, from your perspective, how you can encourage leaders. And you've talked about this um, already today, but thinking really practically for internal communicators particularly, How can you encourage leaders to take a more inclusive approach to leadership? I think leaders really need to be seen as allies. And I think to kind of help them do that, either in comms or IND, we can really help them in terms of equipping them with either the training and the tools to do so. So when it comes to inclusion and diversity, leaders will need to show a level of vulnerability and which there's a lot out there about leadership vulnerability. And you know, where people think vulnerability is a bit of a weakness or they're losing control, but we don't have all the answers here. Mm-hmm. That's that's the biggest thing. No one does. <laughs> no one's got this Indeed. perfectly right. And I think just being quite honest and saying our data isn't good. We, you know, these are the kind of our ambitions and where we want to be. And we're not great at this, but we want to be better. And this is what we're trying to do to be better. Um, so, for example, We've got employee communities um, at Tarmac and naturally you would think, well, actually to have the sponsors of the communities, which help really push them out into the business, you would look for a sponsor that identifies with the community. But all our board are predominantly white male. And what a better ally to have is someone who doesn't identify with the community because someone who identifies with the community is already an ally. Well, I hope so, um, is already an ally. But actually, where we've got leaders who don't identify with it, they're really trying to educate themselves and find out more. And they're working with the chairs who identify with the community and they're learning from each other. So this whole reverse mentoring, we call it reciprocal mentoring because they're both learning from each other. So but this can happen, obviously, even if they're not involved in the community. Leaders to um, mentor up with someone 
who's from a different protective characteristic as them, um, and just understanding their viewpoints and perspectives. And also getting them to have conversations with experts. So we recently um, had someone invited in for Black History Month, and that was fantastic. And it was just an open conversation. And there was a degree of vulnerability because it wasn't scripted. We were talking about race and a lot of people dialed in just to see, you know, see that conversation. But seeing kind of that leader being authentic and open about this, that we don't have all the answers. You know, what can we do to be better? And I think just seeing that authenticity and just seeing that vulnerability, it just makes people real. And we're all on the same journey together. I think you're right. The vulnerability there of just saying, I don't have all the answers, but I'm listening and learning and I'm going to make the mistake. I want to learn as, as much as I can. In terms of your communities, can I ask you to share a couple of examples of what, what are the types of communities? So what are the what, what communities exist inside your organisation? Yeah, of course. We sent out a survey and asked people what kind of communities would they like to see and be a part of? So I, th- I think that's a really important question because what you'd like to see and be a part of, otherwise you would just tick all the boxes <laughs> because <Right. laughs> we, want to, <laughs> we want people to join them as well. A big thing about our communities, and there was some work that we, from our imp- one of our employee development groups who worked on the communities and a way to make sure they're very inclusive. We, we've got people who identify as um, part of the community and allies. So you can join a community Either way, you know, you can join as a member or an ally. So they're open communities. And that's something we kind of put at the top of our comms. So our community at the moment that we have is we have Female Voice, which is gender community. We have um, BAME Communities Network, Mental Health and Wellbeing, and Parents and Carers, the LGBTQ um, plus community as well. And we have Inclusion Diversity Champions, which they're just the initial ones and we're looking to launch more later in the year so with all of those when we did survey people asking them if they want to be a part of it we also asked would you want to be a chair for it or co-chair and would you want to be an advocate as well as some people do want to be part of things but they don't necessarily want to be an advocate or kind of have their name anyway so it was just good to kind of ask that up front that was a good survey. That survey worked really hard for you. I'm listening to that thinking, that's amazing because so often we send out surveys and then we think, oh, I should have asked something else. That sounds like a really thoughtful survey, which you know deserves careful thought and attention. Have you been pleased with the with the outcome? Have you been pleased with how people have responded internally? What what what's it felt like for your employees? We actually launched them probably a little bit sooner than we were going to because what we saw, we've actually got a brand new internet at the moment, and on the homepage, you're able to kind of just put into a, like a feed, like Yammer. It's not quite Yammer, but kind of able to put in. And we saw a lot of parents and carers and people talking about mental health and, you know, with lockdown. So we saw the appetite mm. actually build on our homepage. And we launched them sooner than we actually had planned to. And so we've seen, especially those two communities, really have high take-up. But we we have seen other communities and, you know, International Women's Day was huge. And it was really nice to kind of work with the community and put out activities. And the community actually went out and interviewed women across the business. It was fantastic. So they've really been involved and it's just nice to work together. And we're just, at the moment, we've kind of gone back out to the communities asking about what they'd like to see more. So they've got a bit of a taste of the community. 
So we've gone out to the members and said, what would you like to see more of? What are your expectations? And um, I'm working with the chairs and sponsors to really put that purpose statement together and an action plan for the rest of the year. I love the fact that that's not in place before because I think sometimes there's a tendency where we want everything to be polished and perfect and done and then we launch but actually what what I'm hearing you say is you're iterating and evolving and improving all the time and you're amplifying employees voices and and particularly creating a, a purpose statement from the people who are part of that community I imagine will be it would resonate even more because it's it's their views, their voices, their community, frankly. I think that's a nice way around to do it. I think sometimes if we wait until the time is right, it will never be right. Or sometimes we need to be reactive, as you've described, where there was a need and you brought things forward in, res- in response to that. I think that's I think that's wonderful. No, 100%. And what you've just said about, you know, just striving just to be polished and perfect, I think we all fall foul of that we're just trying to get everything perfect the right comms the right communities everything needs to be perfect and then you end up doing nothing nothing is done and nothing is put out and you know your employees aren't seeing anything I think it's just something is better than nothing and even just just having the right intention and just saying for example it could be as simple as the inclusion diversity awareness days calendar so it's just I've met trying to make sure we've got all the right days and you know, actually, firstly, does your demographic show that, you know, you've got all these communities in your company? So when you're trying to get all the religious festivals and things like that, I've put out the calendar, but I've also said, if there's a day that you celebrate and we've missed it, please let us know. This is best of intentions. We've done our research. Mm. This is what we've got. But if we've missed that out a day that's important to you, please let us know and we will include it. And I think, you know, if you can just say that in your comms or... <laughs> Sound a bit of a disclaimer, just you know, the intention is there. And I think if you just wait for things to be polished or perfect, you just you'll be waiting forever because everything's moving so fast. You miss the trick sometimes, you miss miss the boat, don't you? Sometimes where things have moved on while we're still tinkering in, in, in the background. I remember I wrote a blog post back in 2016, I think it was, was about wonky comms, <laughs> which was around at the time here in the UK, we had we had wonky vegetables were really popular where you can go to a supermarket and buy a wonky carrot. So it doesn't look perfect. It's a bit misshapen. It's not as uniform as the other carrots on the shelf, but it tastes the same in a stew. It does the same thing. So there was this big push to reduce food waste and have wonky food. And I applied that concept to communications. Had I remember writing about the rise of wonky communications. I'll put it in the show notes at allthingsic.com forward slash podcast. And it was just to embrace the wonkiness that if we wait until everything is polished and perfect, and if we get our red pen out and we correct people's work, then we're making a rod for our own back. And also it's okay. It's okay to iterate and evolve as we go. And and embrace the the unpolished nature. I think employees certainly respond to content as is, you know, and, and feel like they can get involved and share their voices and their views rather than feeling like I can't possibly write a story or share my opinion because it needs to be done in such a such a particular way. So I'm going to draw our conversation to a close by asking you for any top tips for internal communicators who'd like to ensure that they're more inclusive in their comms. Number one is inclusive design. So when you're putting together your comms, just think of the people who are, you know, the most far-reaching or, for example, in our organisation, we have people who aren't connected. 
So people who aren't able to access the comms, the most kind of far out people, someone who can just read it straight from the email to someone who can't. So make sure your comms are are inclusive by design and accessible. So, for example, if you've got videos, you know, are there subtitles? Do you have capacity to add different languages to it? So all of that, are you able to translate? And the imagery you're putting out, is it inclusive content? So, you know, what people look like. So the imagery you're putting out, the language you're using, the pronouns you're using, and even some language. Some language has a racist history. So just be careful some kind of little terms and quotes that are used. And looking at how accessible your websites are, your intranets are, um, and there's some really good tools I've been working with our IT teams to have a look at that you can just switch on and just it's just about sometimes just looking at some colours and things like that. Voices that you hear from, just as much as you can, make sure they're diverse, you know. And I know this is sometimes it's not a true reflection of your organisation as a whole, but it's aspirational. So and it's nice for people to see that and hear that, more of that. And making it a safe space for people to have frank conversations so where you can get people comfortable and know that there won't be repercussions if they do call out behavior and things like that so if we can communicate that and make people feel safe about that feedback loops when people do want to feedback about something they've seen or they're not comfortable with is you know we all feedback as you know differently so just making sure there's an there's a range of channels available to do that Um, And some of that is that line manager training and make sure line managers can take on that feedback as a with a learning mindset. And I think a lot of this is there's people going, oh, no, and jump into the defensive. And in some of the training that we do is just making sure you kind of take that, you know, as something you can learn for for next time. And there is some other kind of practical tools, like a DNI glossary of terms. People say LGBTQ plus and first thing people say, oh, what's that? So just kind of breaking that down for people, the BAME communities network. So, you know, and BAME isn't a term that everyone's happy with. It's, you know, it's, it's representative of a group, but it does put together so many communities. And But it's, it's kind of how co- companies are measuring, you know, their progression in certain areas. And we do need to evolve from that. But just that glossary of terms for people and just, you know, and some of that might be the inclusive language about not talking about husbands and wives, and we're talking about partners and things like that, and not just assuming things of people. And even it just, you know, talking about someone's disability as well, and just language is it some of it is just really useful to people. And it, until again, that whole awareness piece is just a if you haven't been, been around that or had experiences, sometimes you're just not aware of what to say or the right thing to say. So, where we can help people is, um, with things like that is fantastic that's an incredible list well I I imagine everyone is scribbling furiously (laughs) that's that's so wonderful I there's so much of what you said there really resonated with me particularly thinking about some of my in-house career in the railway where when you said about diversity in pictures particularly of all of my train drivers I have one female train driver and I remember saying to her I feel like I'm using you in every campaign that we're running. And I remember having a conversation with her to say, how does that feel from your perspective that I'm whenever I'm trying to talk about train drivers, I'm I'm trying to, you know, showcase your picture. And she said, if one little girl sees my picture and is inspired to become a train driver, then that makes me incredibly happy. 
And that was so helpful to, to know because aspirationally, of course, you want to, I wanted to have a vast number of train drivers who happen to not be men to choose from, but that wasn't the demographic makeup of our organisation. So I think that list is is amazing that you've shared. Thank you so much. On the flip side of that, there's tokenism. Mm. So where someone is brought in because they are black or brown or female or do have a disability for an awareness day or their voices kind of put out out there. But the whole integrity of the comms and everything is what activity are you doing and where is that moment for the rest of the year? Because that's when it feels discriminatory when you're just brought in for that and you're othered because you are different. You feel that and it feels it doesn't feel great. And you know, from the train driver is just you're actually trying to move the dial, things that activity is happening, but there's a flip side of that. People are just, you know, those photos are just put up on Black History Month mm-hmm. or, you know, on Pride or things like that. So just be careful of that. What else is happening in the organisation? That's such an important point. Thank you for adding that. That's incredibly important. So I'm going to draw our conversation to a close and I'm gutted because I could carry on <laughs> asking you questions all day and having a chat all day. But Amrit, thank you so much for sharing your experience and your wisdom with us. If people thank would you. like to connect with you online, where, where can they find you? I'm predominantly on LinkedIn. So Amrit Nidja on LinkedIn. Perfect. Brilliant. And Amrit, thank you so much. I really hope to invite you back again for for another conversation in the future. But thank you. I'd love to. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to my guest Amrit for joining me today. You can find the show notes for this week's episode at allthingsic.com forward slash podcast. And as ever, I would love to know what you think of the conversation. You can find me online on Twitter at allthingsic. You can find me on Instagram, Rachel All Things I See, or look me up on LinkedIn under Rachel Miller. And remember, what happens inside is reflected outside. See you again soon.